Thank you very much to all of you for your affection. May God bless you, all the brothers and sisters, to our first-time guests, those who are newcomers, and also those within the building. God bless you all as well, because, well, the amount of people who are here with us today has grown. And last year, we were just here by ourselves uh, throughout the sermon and alone in the building, but I know that behind the camera there were thousands of you. But this year, of course, our God has allowed us to reopen the churches and for us to congregate, although not 100% of people are attending of those who congregate, but either way, this is at least something very marvelous and something that's comforting. And the nights to go to the worship service to be able to go to the church. And so we give the Lord thanks for his mercy. Thanks be to our God for existing. Although how hard it is for some to believe in God. But as he has manifested in our lives and as we've seen his glory, we have seen his marvels, his wonders, his miracles. And so we believe in the Lord. We believe this is why faith comes from hearing, hearing God, hearing the word of God, what we hear, and that we see it is a reality. And so thanks be to the Lord for everything. And you may be seated and you can get comfortable and welcome. Welcome to all those who are our first time guests today, because I know that there here in the United States, all of the churches are open today and all the brothers and sisters are gathered together, congregating in the churches, watching the sermon. And there are people who ask, well, how long will this last? Others say, oh no, the time isn't over yet. And that they still want me to be here giving the sermon. And so, well, we'll be here until the Lord allows. Oh, very well. Well, before we begin our teaching today, we're going to be singing to the Lord our hymn that we are accustomed to singing to the Lord without any background music. And we're going to sing to the Lord hymn number 235, titled, Nearer My God to Thee. And we want to be near Him. We want to dwell near Him. We want God to always take us by His hand, for He to be our shadow at our right-hand side, just as there is a psalm that says so, and that is our hope. And so, with all of our heart, let us all sing to the Lord. Near my God to Thee. Cerca de ti, Señor. Quiero morar Tu grande tierno amor Quiero gozar Lleno mi pobre ser
los doy. El sol se va, mas si contigo estoy, no Blessed is our Lord. Glory to our God. The Lord knows that with all of our heart, we sing to Him. With all our heart, we read the Bible. With all our heart, we praise His name. And today's sermon that continues here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which speaks of the spiritual gifts. Now, I heard somewhere a comment from someone who said, I'm a part of the church, but my family, they're a part of a different denomination, a Christian denomination. But they say that the spiritual gifts don't exist. They say it's a lie. They say the Holy Spirit is a lie and that has basically gone out of style. That that was only for antiquity, not today. Because surely God has gotten tired or he stopped existing. Or it was so hard for God to continue on with everything he created in the beginning. We're ridiculous, us as human beings, to think this way. To belittle God. Comparing God to a human being who grows old and who then no longer can act on their own. That's what we compare God to. God does not grow old. God is the same yesterday and today. He doesn't change in his promises and what he taught and what he offered mankind. He doesn't change. He is the same. From thousands of years ago, he is the same today and will always be the same. And we don't know how much longer awaits us in the future or for mankind in the future for him to come. 
but God does not change. He is the same. And this word, God does not change it because he gave his teachings so that they are useful to all generations and throughout all ages. And so today we're going to be reading regarding the Holy Spirit, and we're all going to be convinced those who do not believe it, well, at least once again, you're going to reread and you will realize that yes, the Holy Spirit exists. The spiritual gifts exist. God does speak through prophecy, through visions and dreams. Now, also do not forget, we have the forces of evil. We have an enemy who is against us and who tries to imitate the works of God to deceive those who are not constant, those who are unfaithful and who are not sincere. Well, the enemy deceives them. He deceives them with appearances, showing in appearance that, yes, as if these people had or received from God everything, that's how the enemy deceives people. But that's because the heart of that person perhaps is not sincere. And so today we're going to be very quickly, I'm going to summarize and remind you that in, in the Old Testament, so we're going to kind of go back a couple thousand years in Joel, in the book of the prophet Joel, chapter 2. Here in the book of the prophet Joel, chapter 2, before beginning to study 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, the prophet Joel, he prophesied in the time of the kings of Israel, in the time of King Joash, King Uzziah, and King Amaziah. In the time of these kings, there was the prophet Joel prophesying and sharing the message to the people of Israel, or at least sharing it among the people, this prophet. Now, Joel, he too was also in the time with the prophet Isaiah. He was also prophesying alongside him with those kings. Now, in the prophecy of chapter 2 in Joel, in Verse 28, the Lord, he had become very angry with the people of Israel because they were disobedient. There was that sin of idolatry and there were other sins. And so in this manner, the Lord begins to send a message, the prophecy through Joel, expressing that in the future, in those latter days, he would be sending a punishment. He would be punishing Jerusalem. He would be punishing the tribe of Judah. He would punish them with death, with desolation, and removing them from his presence. And he sends with the prophet in chapter 1 and in chapter 2, he tells them everything that was going to occur and that they were going to be exterminated and everything would be finished and come to an end. But nevertheless, after sending that message, he tells them, but... For those latter days, after many centuries go by later on, look at what I will do. Look at what I will do with the remnant, with those who I will protect and keep so that through them, the Savior may come, the Messiah may come to the world, the Savior of the world. And so this remnant, this is who the Lord was speaking to for those latter days. He said, look what I'm going to do. Look at how I'm going to manifest myself. And this is why in verse 28, he says to them, and it shall come to pass afterward, meaning after the punishment, after the death and the destruction of Jerusalem and Israel, 
and they were all scattered to many other places after the temple, the house of God was broken and destroyed and they were taken to Babylon. After all of this, after this, verse 28 says, afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, meaning, well, some ages will go by, the Savior, the Messiah will come and he will manifest himself and then this is what will happen. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh or on all human beings. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. So he said, your sons and your daughters, because he was speaking to him about that future. He says, your old men shall dream dreams. But it's not really old men in age, but it, those old men or elders, these are those who are mature in the way that they think and believe and understand the ways of God. It says, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. And so there was going to be the manifestation of the Holy Spirit for all. All would have the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And it also says in 29, and also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And those men servants, maid servants, they were those people who would convert to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, those followers of the Messiah, the followers, his followers, who were his servants as it occurred with the apostles. Well, that is who he was referring to, that they too would be receiving the Holy Spirit. He would be pouring it upon them and God would be manifesting himself with great wonders and signs. That was the promise the Lord made for the future after having told them that they were going to be exterminated and killed. And so that did come to pass. Now we go to John 14. Let's go to the gospel according to John chapter 14. And now in the gospels, we see that the Messiah has already arrived, the Savior. The one who God had promised in throughout the entire time in antiquity through the mouth of the prophets, he spoke of this promise of the Savior of God, the one who was sent by God. And here in John chapter 14, now our Lord Jesus Christ was now here present and teaching the gospel or the good tidings of salvation. The good tidings of salvation, and that is the gospel. Believing in Jesus Christ, that he is God, he is the son of God, he was sent by God. Those were the good tidings, the new method of salvation. And he, in his manifestation, while we have very little of the history and everything that he did, now John himself, he said, had they written things and many books of all his manifestation and what he did, well then there would not be enough books in the world. And so what we have left is very little, but what was left is sufficient for us to live and to feel the presence of God, that it is real and the presence of the Holy Spirit, that he exists. And the Lord here, he began to preach and teach to all the people who wanted to hear. Now, he spoke to his apostles, and he also spoke to the people who followed him. He spoke to them of the gospel. And so here in verse, John chapter 14 and verse 15, 
Now, among other things, the Lord would tell them. He says, "If you love me," he told the apostles. If you love me, keep my commandments. He told the apostles and the rest of who was listening. He says, "If you love me, well, then you need to keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper." Another helper, meaning this is the fulfillment of the promise in Joel two twenty eight that we just read, when the Lord said, "In the future, I will give you the Holy Spirit to all human beings. I will give the Holy Spirit, and there will be prophecy, dreams, and visions." And this is why, in verse sixteen, the Lord reminds them of the promise and says, "I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper that He may abide with you forever." Now. He didn't say for him to abide with you in the 21st century up until the 21st century or the 22nd century. He didn't say that. He didn't say to the 23rd or 24th. No, he said so that he may abide with you forever. Now listen very well to those who say. The Holy Spirit does not exist today, nor the gifts of prophecy, visions, or dreams, because that was only for the time in antiquity. It's already kind of past. No, please pay attention. Verse sixteen. Please memorize this verse. Keep it in your heart and in your thoughts. I will pray the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ said, and He will give you another Helper, that He may abide with you forever. Forever. What does that mean? What does forever mean? Now, it was not just for some ages. That wasn't the second century or the third century when the church of the Lord apparently was hidden in that time. The devil came and attacked the church of the Lord, and so here it says forever. And in verse seventeen, that helper is called the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you, you the apostles, you who are with me, you do know him. Why? For he dwells with you. He began to dwell in your hearts. He began to dwell near you. And he will dwell with you. He is surrounding you, and one day he will be in you, in your heart. So he tells them, the Spirit, he dwells with you. But when the pouring of the Holy Spirit arrives on the day of Pentecost, that day the Holy Spirit will come, and now he will dwell in your heart. Because you will then receive the Spirit, you will speak in new tongues, another language, another dialect, and the Holy Spirit will begin to dwell and live in your heart. And that was the promise the Lord made there in Joel chapter two, two verse twenty-eight. And here, once again, the Lord is reminding them of that great promise. So God has not changed. God hasn't gone out of style. God continues to be the same yesterday and today. The Bible says so. It says He is the same yesterday and today and forevermore. He will be the same. He does not go out of style. Let's not let's not be delusional or try and justify ourselves in saying I live righteously before God because. God no longer exists. Now I'm free of everything. I'm free, and I can do whatever I want because God is no longer around. He's gone out of style. 
No, God will never go out of style. And we today, his witnesses, because we are the witnesses of God, we are the witnesses of the Lord. And we are witnessing, testifying that he exists, he lives, because we have seen his wonders, we have seen his glory and his manifestation. We have seen how he manifests himself to people. And this is why we believe in him. Now let us go to 1 Corinthians, because now we're going to continue here in 1 Corinthians, although in verse 26 in John, I'll read to you, but if you've already skipped, I'll read here. It says, but the helper, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you. So the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you or things I have taught you. That is what the Lord said to his apostles, that the Holy Spirit would be the one to teach and to bring to remembrance, to teach the doctrine, to remind them of many things. Because the Holy Spirit, our God knew that the world, the world is evolving, that people or mankind is transforming things, that he himself would increase science and knowledge and technology. So the Lord knew that later on there would be a lot of new things and great innovation in the world and in human beings, but that the Holy Spirit, he was there before all, to teach and to correct and to say what you should do, what you shouldn't do. Use this or do not use that. This is not what's good for you, what man has created with their science. God gives science and intelligence to human beings, and sometimes people abuse that, and they begin to do things to turn away from God or to turn other people from the idea of God and God allows that. But so God, to those who he makes himself known to, he teaches us that not everything is good, that not everything that has been invented should be used because it perhaps could be hurtful to our spiritual life. And so this is our struggle. That's the struggle that we have. And this is something constant every day of our lives. But this struggle, this fight, it is marvelous because as we love the Lord and loving God with loving Him, what happens is He helps us. He helps us to overcome. He helps us to be able to overcome any obstacles and barriers that the enemy places along the way to make us fall, to make us fail God. God will be helping us because he sees our sincere hearts. And so sincerity and love for God, God exists and God has not gone out of style. The Holy Spirit exists. The gift of prophecy, the spiritual gifts, they are continuing to be valid. They will continue on until the very end. They will continue on forever, the Lord says. And so you, I invite you, those who say they don't believe this doesn't exist, I invite you. I invite you, put aside all pride. Put aside pride or foolishness or rebelliousness. And for a moment, open your heart. Prepare your heart and say, Lord, I want to understand your ways. I want to understand your word. I want you to reveal to me if it is true that you manifest yourself, that the Holy Spirit can speak through a person. That the Holy Spirit can use the mouth and tongue of a person to speak to another. I want you to reveal this to me. But I want you to reveal it because I want to follow you. I want to know the truth. 
I want to follow your path. I want to submit myself to your will. And when you express this to the Lord with sincerity, well, the Lord, I'm sure, will give you a manifestation, will show you, teach you, guide you, as it says so here, that the Holy Spirit is to teach and to guide and to remember, to remind you of all things. But be humble. Be humble. Be humble and you will see how the Lord will manifest himself in your life. Very well. Now, now let us go to 1 Corinthians. And we know that what we're going to learn today is the truth that it exists today and we have enjoyed, we have been enjoying some of the spiritual gifts. And today we're going to read about them so that you may fall in love with the word of God. The written word and also the spoken word. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit so that you today, after the teaching, you may begin to live and enjoy what the prophet Joel spoke of in chapter 2, verse 28. Where the elders or the old men shall dream dreams and the young men shall have visions and the rest will prophesy because the Holy Spirit comes to all and will speak in new tongues. This we also see in Acts chapter 2, and if you want to read about that glorious manifestation when the day of Pentecost occurred, all spoke in a new tongue. Today, it also occurs. And here in chapter 12, verse 1, here the Apostle Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant, he tells the Corinthians. He says, Concerning the spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Now, when they were Gentiles, it says that they were carried away by these things. Now, they were Gentiles, but as they converted to the gospel of the Lord, they no longer were Gentiles at this point, but they were now believers or Christians. Christians, for they now believed in the Messiah. So he then says, you no longer are following these dumb idols, however you were led. You're no longer ignorant of these things. Verse 3, therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, or no one speaking by the Spirit of God can belittle Jesus Christ. No one who says that they have the Spirit of God or someone who says that the Spirit of God speaks and uses them and that they are speaking with their tongue and mouth, that they are being used, and then you say this, you are belittling Jesus Christ, well, then you, you are very mistaken and you're wrong because only, only the Holy Spirit is he the one who highlights the existence and the importance of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is the one who bears witness. He has bared witness concerning our Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit revealed to John the Baptist who our Lord Jesus Christ was. He revealed to many people when our Lord was on earth manifesting himself 
among men and mankind, the Holy Spirit revealed to many who the Lord was. And so, here, according to the Apostle, he says that some people, some, as there were believers who had come out from Judaism, in coming out from Judaism, they sometimes in their hearts, they still had some doubts. They thought, is it possible? Is it not? Is it Jesus Christ or is it not Jesus Christ? And surely, I'm sure there were many debates and arguments and fights and disagreements among them. They would argue whether or not Jesus Christ was who he was. And the apostle, he said, if you, if you say you have the Holy Spirit because you said you've received the Holy Spirit, that you've already spoken tongues and other language, that now you've had visions and dreams and revelations. But then I hear some of you are saying that Jesus Christ is not who he is, that he is just an ordinary man. That is not the case. He says, therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, meaning that he is no one, he is something else, that he is no one, that he's a nobody. He says, no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was the one in charge of teaching men and women who our Lord Jesus Christ is. And the Holy Spirit today with us, he has taught us and he is teaching us. And he places the Lord Jesus Christ in the dignity that he deserves. And he teaches us about our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the Holy Spirit of God. It is that spirit, that helper that the Lord had promised to send once he ascended into heaven. So the apostle says in verse 4, Now, there are diversities of gifts. So there are many gifts. But, but the same spirit, the same spirit of God, is who gives those diversities of gifts. To, to one, he gives the spiritual gift of prophecy. To another, the gift of of working healings, the other, the gift of laying on of hands, the gift of deliverance, the gift of discernment, the gift of speaking tongues and interpreting tongues, dreams and visions. Well, there are so many spiritual gifts, but it is the Holy Spirit, the only one who does all these things. And in verse, in verse number five, it reads, there are differences of ministries. The ministries here are the different tasks and duties, the work that needs to be done. But it says here, it is all the same Lord. So the apostle here is going to begin to highlight, highlight the Holy Spirit, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father. To all three, he is going to highlight here. And it says that the three, they give the same spiritual gifts. Now, apparently, it's as if the three worked separately, but that's not the case. Because in the end, it is God 
He is one. So here, we see, okay, well, it seems that there's three doing the work, and it says that there are diversities of activities in verse 6, but it is the same God who works all in all. Now, when he says, when he works all in all, what does that mean? Well, it is our the Holy Spirit, our Lord Jesus Christ, working. And God, he is the one, is the same God, who works all. So what the Holy Spirit does, the spiritual gifts, the Holy Spirit is the same. He has given the different ministries of gifts. And all in the end, it is the same God who does all of these things. And the Father, it says diversities of activities, the activities are different works. But in the end, it is God who does all of these works and he does them in all in working with the Holy Spirit, in working with the Lord, because God is one. But he himself, it seems as though he's divided the work. But God is one. He is the same. And he wanted to teach this to mankind to also place a burden and an obstacle for people to doubt. For those that are unbelieving, rebellious, and foolish, may doubt and say, oh, well, well, God has three heads. Well, well, God, he is the Trinity, and there are three gods. That's what people start to say, but that's not the case. It's not three heads. It's not three gods. It's not, it's none of that. God is one. But he, he wanted to work this way. Now, is it impossible for him to do this, that the Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts and that the Lord he also gives the functions and tasks to people that the Father also gives work and functions and activities to people. And for those who say, well, God, he is the one who does all the things in all, in the Spirit and the Lord, and he works in himself. He is yet one. He is the same. This verse 6 defines your doubts so that you do not make up things or invent adjectives that should not exist do not make up and say well God is three no he is one God but he taught me that I need to believe in the son I don't need to ask and say why why don't you explain the matter of the son better to me why don't you reveal yourself to me to explain where the Holy Spirit is and then where is the son and how are you no. If God says that we need to believe what he teaches us, then we ought not to question or ask because there are mysteries and there are many things that he will never give an explanation to. Now, I'm sure, it, it, for, the, for the moment now, the Lord will say, limit yourself to obey me. Do not question or ask because you sin in, in doing so. You offend me. That is what the Lord will say to us. So this is why we do up until what we understand, and we obey the Lord. We simply obey our God. Verse 7. Now, don't forget, verse 6 says, and there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. So it is the same God. Once again, he 
He is one God. After he divided himself in three different functions, he becomes one God. It's the same God. Verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one, man or woman, is given to each one for the prophet, the spiritual prophet of all. It's the, it's the spiritual prophet of that person himself or others. It's for the prophet of all. That gift that God gives to men and women, that manifestation. Verse 8, for to one, be it man or woman, is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. That gift of wisdom will profit that person who received the gift and also profit the other person who is receiving the gift through that person with that gift of wisdom. They act wisely. They do everything with wisdom. Everything with wisdom. They teach with wisdom. And the other learns. And they also receive a part of that wisdom. And it is a profit to all. To the person who has it and to the person who receives the benefit. It is profitable. Now, in the other, it says, to another man or woman will be given the word of knowledge through the same spirit. The word of knowledge here. Well, this, we know, these are all gifts. Don't forget, these are gifts. In another, that word of knowledge. So a word of knowledge, it's a person who knows and who understands maybe more than others. It is a person who is very intelligent and, and very capacitated more than others because God has given them that knowledge and perhaps yes this knowledge is given to them to understand the path of our Lord even better that's that knowledge to understand the path of the Lord even better for here we're talking about the spiritual gifts we're not speaking of the knowledge of the world and outside because that's a different type of knowledge now it is all through the same spirit it says so this knowledge, it's that understanding, that ability to comprehend and to discern and to do and act. All of this, to teach, all of this deals with this gift of knowledge. It says to another man or woman, he gives that gift of faith. Now, we say the gift of faith, people ask, they ask, what, what is the gift of faith? Let's go very quickly, and please excuse me if we go over time, but it is important that this sermon is clear. Let's go to Hebrews. It's important that this teaching is very clear. That is what we care about today. And if I do go over maybe a couple minutes, I'm sorry. Here in verse, in chapter 11, Hebrews 11. And in verse 1. What is faith? What is faith? Now, faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the substance of things hoped for. God promised a man that he was going to gift him with, or he was going to give him a brand new car. The latest model. Now, this person had never had a car before. And God promised to give him this. And so what does he do? 
Well, he is happy for the promise that was made and believes and trusts and awaits that this is going to come to pass sooner or later. And you don't know how or when or how you're going to acquire this, this element or this object, but you know that you will have it. And you trust in that. And you're sure, 100%, that you are going to have this car. And so that is faith. It's the substance of things hoped for. I am sure. I am sure that God is going to fulfill what he said. I don't know how or when, but I know it. That is that substance of the things that we're hoping for. That's it. I'm hoping and I'm waiting for that car God promised. So faith is conviction. Faith is conviction of those things that we don't see. It's the evidence of things not seen. And here in this faith, when we hear, for example, when we hear the word of God for the first time, we believed. We believed that God existed. And I will at least share my experience with you. As a child, I was taken to the Catholic Church. I was taken there, and it's not because I wanted to go to, but I was forced to go. So I had to go. But I, I would see there were many statues and paintings, and I would look at them to see if their eyes would move or their mouth would move or if they were going to speak to me. I was waiting for that, and nothing. In the end, I was actually terrified and frightened by them. And later, when for the first time I heard prophecy, when the Holy Spirit used a person to speak to me for the first time in prophecy, there I realized God existed, that God did exist, that He was a reality, that He could move. At least he was speaking to me through this person. And when this person spoke to me, the Lord made me promises and said something about my life. He said, you're this way, you've gone through this and that. This is you. And so I will make of you this and that. So I believed and I began to believe in God because I knew God was a living being that was manifesting himself. And so it says, the evidence of things not seen, well, it means that I began to believe in something I did not see. But the Lord said he was going to do all of these things with me, so I believed and I waited. When he said he was going to baptize me in the Holy Spirit in not too much time from then, I waited. I waited on that moment. And the moment came. And I began to believe and to have that conviction, have that certainty in God. Because it says here, it is the evidence of things not seen. That is faith. And when God speaks to us, when God makes me a promise, when he makes us a promise, he tells us, like once, uh, for example, there was this sister who came and she was going to get a divorce. She was going to separate from her husband. She came for the first time. 
And she was already on the path of divorce. She was already going through all the paperwork. And the Holy Spirit spoke to her and said, Do not get a divorce. Don't do that. Because look at what I have for you and for your husband. The man who you live with at the moment, he is your husband. And you will continue with him. And there is no love, but I will give you love again. That is what he said to them. He said there was no love. He said, I will give you the love. But do not get a divorce. Because look at what I have for you. I have spiritual gifts. I will use him. He will serve and work for me. And so this woman was very happy. Because she she said, this is true. There is no love among us. This is why, among other things, this is why we're getting a divorce. Well, not too much time after that. It didn't even last a month. This promise, when they finally began to fall in love again, they fell in love again. After having lived together and had children. And so she, she saw that God had spoken to her. And she believed. So she believed when God said, do not get a divorce because I'm going to give you that love that you've lost and you will serve in the church. And so she believed and she obeyed because she did not get a divorce. She got back home and she shared with her husband, shared everything and invited him to also come to live that same marvelous experience. It was something new to her, something she had never even heard of about prophecy and brought him to the church. She arrived back home happy with that experience that she had had with God. She believed God and she did not get a divorce. And so you see, this is faith. She believed God. God ordered her and she believed and obeyed. That is faith. But we today, a person, now people in the church, the believers in the church, they have problems, maybe they have difficulties, they come with sorrow and they say, I'm, I'm suffering, This is I'm, I'm facing and going through this. So I don't say have faith, no. Because they've already had faith. They have faith because they're in the church. They have faith because they're still here in the church. They believed God and they stayed in the church. They're congregating. Now, I no longer say have faith. What I say is, believe the Lord. Trust. Trust. God made you promises. And as God made you promises, now trust in the Lord. That is what we tell a person. Because it says here, now faith is a substance of things hoped for. So people say, well, you hear people say, well, I have faith that... Things will get better next year. But they have faith in what? Or in who? Or why do they have faith? Why? Did someone tell you that next year things were going to get better? No. When I say I have faith of, of a certain thing, it's because God has already spoken to me. And I believed him. And I'm waiting that for that to be fulfilled. I'm not doubting. Now, maybe I don't need to mention this so much to you to have faith, have faith, but I just simply say, trust in God. Trust, because you've already had this faith, and it was that first faith when you heard the things of the Lord, and now you're here with us, and so now trust in the Lord. So that is faith. It is 
the substance of things hoped for, it is the evidence and the certainty of those things that are not seen. This which we think is impossible, well, that is that faith. And so the gift of faith. Now, what might you, you say about the gift of faith? Now, because it says here, among those spiritual gifts, there is a gift called the gift of faith. Now, what... But those who are here with me, what do you what do you have to say about it? What is this this gift of faith? What happens to this person? Now, surely they have more trust and conviction, and I'm sure they say, "Look, step away from there because in this moment there's going to be an earthquake, and that's going to be the center of it." And why? Well, why? Why should I move if God has told me? that I'm going to live and I'm going to do this and that. And I haven't done those things yet. The time hasn't come for me to do what God had promised and said. And so that needs to happen while I'm alive. So I don't believe in what you're telling me that the earthquake is going to be here where I'm standing. I don't believe that. God said something else to me. But all of you, if you want to flee, flee. Because God spoke to me, not you. And so I trust in God. I trust in the Lord. And aside from that, he also told me he was going to protect me from danger. When there is danger and death roaming, I will protect you. Because you will not die in an accident. You will not die. No one will take your life. You will die of a natural cause. And so I need to trust in God. Because what he is saying to me is very different. And so I trust in the Lord. And I am so sure. And so I think that this gift of faith is just having the double of everything. Double of the certainty, double of the conviction, double of the security. It is trusting a thousandfold in the Lord. And obeying the Lord and trying to please Him. I think that's the gift of faith, and I think it's marvelous, the gift of faith. Very beautiful is this gift of faith, and it's for that same person. And so, for this person who has the gift of faith, someone tells them, I'm sick, please pray for me, lay on hands. As they have to give the gift of faith, they go and lay on hands, and they are sure that God is going to hear them and God will heal that person with their laying on of hands. They are sure of it. They say, God is going to work a miracle. God will do it. And they pray and that person is healed because they had the gift of faith. And so you see the gift of faith, it is used for many things. It's not just for that same person who receives it, but it also is a benefit to others as well. With that faith, many people, they go and they rescue others. They rescue them from danger. They rescue them from doing bad businesses. They rescue them from doing things that they shouldn't. They rescue them from many things because this person who has the gift of faith, as they are trusting and believing in the Lord and having this conviction that God can do all things, God knows all things, everything is possible with God, then they tell the other, no, don't be discouraged. Don't flee. Don't do that. Don't, don't do that crazy thing. Wait, wait. God is going to help you because they have that gift of faith. And so they sort of help this other person and helps them out of their difficulties and hardships from their dangers. That's what the gift of faith does. Don't you think? It's beautiful. The gift of faith is beautiful. May the Lord give us all that gift of faith. And a gift that we thought, oh, we wanted the gift of prophecy only, but the gift of faith is very beautiful too. I think I like it better. 
And so it says here, and through the same, he gives the, another gift of healings by the same spirit. Now, the gift of healings, you all know what the gift of healing is for those for the first time. Well, those coming for the first time, the gift of healings, it is the same uh, lay on hands. And as a person gives a man or woman that gift, they lay on hands upon those that are ill. And if there are 10 who are ill, well, then maybe one is healed. Maybe the other nine are not healed, but at least one who was ill is healed. So meaning God works the miracle and God uses the person with that gift to do this work, work this function, the gift of healing. And here, another to another, the working of miracles. To another, the working of miracles. Well, we do hear these testimonies where people share. And the brother Carlos Alberto said that perhaps the Lord sent angels to help that person. Well, that's a miracle. Those are miracles God works. Bringing something or, or making things appear out of, the, out of nothing so that God may act and proceed in a certain way with that other person. That's a miracle. A miracle is something that is not in human beings' reach to do something. It's not in their own capacity. And so it's done. if it's done, well, it's because it's God. It is a miracle. And God, well, he also gives a gift of miracles to a certain man or woman, a brother or sister. He gives this spiritual gift of working miracles. Now, it doesn't mean that if he prays for 10, there is now 10 miracles for everyone. No. Just like when our Lord Jesus Christ said that 10 lepers stepped forward and only how many were healed? Two or eight or all? All were healed. But among them, there was only a couple that came back to thank him. No one else came back to thank him. But the Lord also said in antiquity, there were many widows among the people of Israel, but only one widow was the one who received a benefit of the miracles that were worked by Elijah with this woman who was facing shortage and God manifested himself. So there were many widows, but yet the Lord wanted to only bless one. So that's what happens with men and women today, a brother or sister in the church who has the gift of working miracles? It doesn't mean that they're going to work a miracle for everyone. It's whoever God wants. But God uses that person who has that spiritual gift. So if there is no one to have this spiritual gift of miracles, well, then that that won't be or that won't happen for everybody. Now, the miracles, of course, we know it's not just healings. No, it's also resolving problems, issues, things that seem impossible. And they say, okay, well, this person has great danger. They're facing great danger. They were going to be shot at, just like a brother shared that he was in the military and they were ambushed and that they placed the, 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 the gun at his head and he was going to, they were going to shoot. In that moment, he cried out to God. He cried out to God and said, Lord, protect me, help me. And so when he was about to shoot at him, and when he shot at him, the weapon did not work. God worked a miracle. God worked a miracle and heard the believer, heard him and protected him. That is the miracle. And so God, God can give a brother or sister that is a believer the gift of miracles. And so maybe someone is going to shoot at them and then they say, Lord, protect me. Don't let anything happen to me. And so, yes, that person maybe can't even shoot at them. They became paralyzed. Something happens to the aggressor. And there, 
There is that miracle that comes to pass. And so the miracles are multiple and in different ways. Now to another, we're here in verse 10. To another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits. I don't think I'm going to be able to complete and give all of the sermon. And I don't want to, to miss out on the rest of the chapter. So I think we'll probably stop at a certain point and then continue on in the next sermon. Because I, I don't want to not have, or I don't want to stop and read quickly. No, I want us to learn. Now that we are in school, thanks to the Lord, we are in this school learning and God teaching us. So it says to another, different kinds of tongues. Well, going back to discerning of spirits and to another prophecy. Well, the gift of prophecy, the church already knows what the gift of prophecy is. For those that are coming for the first time or for those who say that the Holy Spirit no longer exists and prophecy doesn't exist, and especially those who say they are Christians and they say to read the Bible, and so it says he gives to another the gift of prophecy. This teaching is for you. For those who read the Bible, you say you're Christians, but you don't believe in prophecy nor speaking in tongues. So this teaching is for you. It says to another, a man or woman in church, he gives the gift of prophecy. And the gift of prophecy, it's not what you ignorantly had been taught and had been told that prophesying is just to preach and give a sermon. That prophesying is when the preacher stands on the pulpit and begins to give you a sermon and they preach and they read the Bible and they preach and give a teaching. And if they speak about politics, well, then they speak about politics. If they need to speak about family, they speak about family. And they criticize maybe some people and say they're not constant, they're not doing this or that. That's the sermon. They talk. That's what some say is prophecy. But that's not prophecy. What ignorance? What ignorance? Because if you have read here Moses and the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all of them, they were prophets and they prophesied because the Holy Spirit would come to their mouth, would use their tongue, and they would begin to speak. God speaking through the mouth of the prophets. God speaking through their mouth. So God uses the tongue of a man or a woman who is a believer in the Lord. Followers of God. He uses them to speak to another person. And he speaks to them about their private life. He speaks to them about their private life just as a woman who came for the first time and she she came and she received laying on of hands and was given prophecy. And in prophecy, the Holy Spirit said to her, and what you plan to do, you want to have an abortion. You want to go have an abortion performed. Do not do it, he said. Do not do it because what is in your womb is a male child. Now, she had come for the first time. She began to cry. She was very emotional and said, no one knew my life. 
No one. And we're not speaking of divination. This is the gift of prophecy. This is men and women, women and men who follow God. We are not spiritists. We are not mediums or witches or sorcerers. We are readers of the Bible and we follow God. We have a change of life. We do what is good. We turn away from sin. So you see how different it is. Because if you go to a spiritist, a medium, they are sinning all the time. They work with the devil. They work with the devil. The devil gives them power. But they have no change of life. They don't live happily. They are not happy. And they will never tell you not to sin. If you are an adulterer, a drunk, if you are someone who kidnaps people, a spiritist is not going to tell you, repent. They'll tell you, continue doing what you do. It's great. That's the difference. So that you may distinguish what is of God and what is of the devil. What is of God is to turn away from sin. It is to do what is right and good and to keep the values and the virtues and qualities God gives us. It's to have all that. That's it. And so the gift of prophecy be very careful in saying this is divination because that is blasphemy against God. Speaking of the gift of prophecy, when this woman receives the prophecy and the Holy Spirit tells her not to go through with the abortion, now she was just a month and a half pregnant and he said it was a male child and that this male child would protect her and watch over her while she lived. So this woman believed. She wept and cried and said, it's true, tomorrow I had prepared to go to a, a different place to have that abortion performed. But now God is telling me not to do it. I won't do it. She did that. She went to church. She now became another believer because in the beginning, it was that first time she had come and she continued on in the church until the time of her, her, her older years and age. And she did have her male child. And when she reached a certain age, she got sick. She became ill and had cancer. And her son, her son was by her side, supporting her always because she had two daughters. And, well, she didn't want to have a third child at that point in her life. And her daughters, they never watched over her. But it was her male child, just as God had said. And that is the gift of prophecy. God speaks what is hidden in the heart. What did she have hidden in her heart? A pregnancy. She had not told anyone she was pregnant. She was hiding it. And God revealed what was hidden. This is why those secrets of the heart are made manifest. And aside from that, God said to her, you will have a male child and he will be the one to watch over you. And that's what happened until the time she died. He was there by her side watching over his mother. And so this is what we call the gift of prophecy. It is that gift. It is the greatest gift in the church that the apostle advises. When we read chapter number 14, the apostle advises and he says, it is that gift that we all should ask the Lord for because it is used for spiritual edification for all the church so that people also, there are people who live in sin and so they, and I've already shared this testimony with you about that man who came and God spoke to him in prophecy and said, you live with two women. You have two women. 
And so he said, you need to pick the one you love most. The Lord knew he loved one more than the other and said, live with the one you love more and the other, let her go because that is adultery. He said, it's adultery. And so it seems that he, he had not signed any marriage documents. He simply had two women as wives without any commitments to marriage. And so the Lord said, live with one because this is adultery. The gift of prophecy is also so that this person may turn away from sin. The Holy Spirit speaks to that person about their sin and tells them to turn away from it, to not do it, to not be wrathful, to not be lazy or irresponsible, to not be disorganized. The Holy Spirit tells a person all of these things. And this we call the gift of prophecy. And so the gift of prophecy is very important for our spiritual life to correct us and to live well before the Lord. Now, another another gift here, we continue with another gift, which is, what verse were we at? Verse 10. Now we've already spoken about prophecy. And he says to another discerning of spirits. And we'll finish here with this verse. Now, if God allows... We'll continue on next Sunday here in chapter 12 in Corinthians. But here in verse 10, it says, discerning of spirits to discern spirits. Well, to discern is to distinguish, to learn to distinguish between what is good and what is bad, to know what you should do and what you shouldn't, what is good for you and what is not, what you should do and not do, to do what's best, to do things as best as possible. That is to discern, to distinguish, to separate one thing from the other. Now, when it says discerning of spirits, let's remember there are forces of evil that exist. The enemy our enemy, the evil one, he has thousands and thousands and thousands of helpers of spirits that are called demons. Now, before, before the creation, they were called angels when they were with God. They were called angels when they were with God. But once the devil rebelled against God, well, God cast the devil out of his presence and he left with his army. He left with his army and legion of angels that turned into demons. So there are thousands, thousands of demons. And there's that principal chief, which is the devil, and then all of the other demons. And all that they do is harm mankind. These demons, they come in and possess men and women. The elderly, children, people of all ages. And even they come in and use animals. But the demons, it is not so convenient or good for them to go into animals because since animals have no true reasoning, they can't harm. So they don't really come into those animals, but rather to human beings because they can rule and dominate over human beings. The demon comes in and possesses a man or woman and dominates them. They rule over their mind. They rule over their will and their thoughts and their decisions and the way that they act and the way that they do things and the way that they even go about in life and everything. They rule over them, those spirits.
And there are some spirits that are a bit uh, stronger than others. There are some people that many demons come into them. And there are others that there are very few demons. But let's remember when our Lord Jesus Christ, he spoke, there was a, a, a person that was demon possessed that came out of the, the, the cemetery. And the Lord Jesus Christ spoke to him and said, what is your name? And he said his name was Legion because there are many. Legion meaning there's a legion, there's a number for it. There was about 2,000. And there was about 2,000 demons in the body of this man. This is why he was completely ill, mentally ill. He was crazy, schizophrenic. He was mentally ill, not able to reason. There was about 2,000 demons in his body, and the Lord delivered him. And so, the spirits... They always come into men and women and try to rule over them. The spirit, the demon could be of bad temper. It could be the demon of laziness and wrath, the demon of sorrow, the demon of lust, the demon of, of so many bad things. There are demons about everything for all of even maybe there are people who like to watch pornography and excessively watch pornography. It's a demon that they have them that incites them to watch this. There are other people that are incited uh, in their intimacy. He also incites them to do certain things. So the demons are always there working. The demon of envy, demon of grudges, demon of wanting to harm someone else, a demon of murder and of theft. So all of these are the demons that exist because as the Lord cast them out and cast them to the earth, the devil and all of his army and hosts, so human beings have been victims. Victims of all of these demons and evil spirits. Now we say evil spirits. And against these evil spirits in the church, the believers, we must fight against. When we arrive to the church for the first time, we arrive with many evil spirits in our bodies. But the Lord has delivered us. He has been cleansing us little by little. He's been delivering us. He's been cleansing us from these spirits and we are delivered. That is what the Lord has done. And when he then delivers us, this is when he gives us all of these spiritual gifts to all his believers and followers. And so the gift of discerning, this gift consists in which God capacitates a brother or sister believer, capacitates them to be able to distinguish in another person to know what spirit or spirits that other person has. Who is that person? How are they? For example, today, there are some professions. They're called psychology. So in psychology, they teach a lot of different theories, and they teach you many theories so that you may be able to know another person. But they are theories, and there are questions, and you have to ask them about their life. Do you do this? Do you do that? Do you sleep? Do you look up or down? To be able to, through that theory, be able to figure out what their personality is and how I should help them to resolve their problem. That's it. But in the Lord, the gift of discernment, it is the most perfect gift because you don't need to be a psychologist to be able to know that other person. 
You don't need to be a psychologist or psychiatrist to be able to know another person, a man or a woman, to know that they are, are doing something wrong, that they are disturbed mentally, they have demons, and therefore you need to be patient with them. You need to treat them wisely with love and affection and a lot of understanding and help them so that they are delivered of those spirits so that this person rather may come to the church and I will pray for you. I will lay on hands so that the Lord may deliver you and remove those spirits and that you may become finally a normal man or a normal young man or woman, a young, normal woman, so that you no longer suffer because those spirits cause people to suffer. Everyone suffers because of it. And misunderstandings in marriages and families, it's because of that. They all have different spirits, and so they clash amongst each other. And they can't stand each other. They don't understand each other. And what ends up happening is that maybe there's physical aggressions until maybe they even take their lives. That's what happens. So those who have discerning That, that spiritual gift of discerning, they're there to be able to pray and rebuke and to speak and teach them because they are knowing exactly what spirits they have. They say, well, this is a disturbed person. Their life is disturbed. So what I need to do is pray and ask God that he may be delivered. And in this way, God provides an answer, a resolution. Now I've had, now there's been psychologists who have come to me to help them on how they should treat their patients and how they should deal with people. They share their cases with me. And in what God has given me, I teach them. I say, do this and that. It's this simple and this easy. Don't complicate things. Don't apply so many theories. It's not going to be of any use. But do things this way. As you know God, you already know what needs to be done. God will help you. God will support you. And so things are easier and easier to bear with. Now, I'm not saying it's bad to be a psychologist or a psychiatrist. It's not bad to study those professions. No, I'm saying that there is a superior gift to those professions, the gift of discernment. But the gift of discernment, well, God gives it to men and women who are living righteously before the Lord and they have a sincere, upright heart before God. God can't give this spiritual gift just to any person because these are gifts that He gives to those who are worthy and deserve it. As when the Lord, He, he, used, to, he used to know the thoughts of people around Him. He would know their intentions. He would look at them and he knew what they were thinking. And this is why sometimes the Lord would give them an answer to what they were thinking. Because that's the gift of discernment, to know. And I'm going to stop there. Or I, I went a little bit longer because I was asked so many questions about discernment. And it says here, continuing on in the verse, to another different kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues. So the tongues, they are the different languages or dialects that you speak and you don't understand. Now, sometimes God gives to a person the gift of being able to interpret that dialect or even that same person speaking in tongues. He gives them the interpretation and they're able to interpret. Now, I speak many tongues when I am praying and praising God. I speak many tongues, but I don't know how to interpret them. But I am simply happy in knowing God exists because 
who makes me speak in other tongues. It's not me. I can't avoid it. So God exists. Thank you, God, for existing. That's what I say to the Lord. And so the gift of interpretation is that, that they can understand what the other person is speaking or that same person is able to interpret. Now, generally, the tongues, they are words of praise to God. Tongues are just praise to God. That is what comes out, that the Holy Spirit helps us to praise the Lord and to glorify our God. So this is why sometimes we don't worry so much about the interpretation, but rather we feel God is with us. Because when we have those tongues, well, we realize that there is something supernatural. There is someone supernatural with me. And that is the beautiful thing. Now, my dear brothers and sisters in the church, to all the pastors, this is a teaching that I know you are already aware of and you know, but today I wanted to also present myself to those newcomers and to those who say that they read the Bible and they are believers, but they didn't believe before. I think now you will believe those who said that didn't believe. I think now the Lord will manifest himself with you because you are going to give your heart to the Lord because you will love God and we must love God. And so thank you very much and may God bless you. And we're going to pray to the Lord and then we will sing the chorus that, that speaks of only God's power that is able to change our being. Blessed is our Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy and your truth. Thank you for your holy word. Thank you for your teachings. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Holy Father. Praised and glorified is your name for all eternity. We know you, Lord. We know you in part, but we want to be able to do your will and please you. Lord, we want to be in your presence. We have no greed of material things in life, but our hope is for many people to know you, that many may partake and in your word and in your ways and your power to partake in your beautiful spiritual gifts, your marvelous spiritual gifts, that men and women who say they read the Bible a lot, that they may understand and comprehend your true ways and that they may do so with a sincere heart so that you may reveal things to them and teach them and guide them. And Lord, we want many people to come to you, to come to your feet and praise you, and for many to come and know you that you are the only true living God, the almighty God who created the heavens and earth and the universe and everything that we are able to see. You, Lord, are the owner of all. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Oh, eternal God, we praise you. We give you the honor and glory, all praise. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and love, my Father. And in the midst of your mercy, I ask that you extend and stretch out your mighty hand upon those who are ill. And Lord, there are many who have different diverse illnesses and diseases in their body. There are many diseases that are a product of witchcraft and sorcery. And you know that, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you rebuke those evil spirits, that you remove those curses 
and that you deliver and that you heal people. And look, Lord, there are so many people who write and ask for prayer of healing and deliverance. Lord, you know who they are. May you answer, answer them, deliver them, free them, cleanse each person. Manifest yourself, Lord. Thank you, Holy Father. Thank you in the glorious name of our Lord Jesus Christ, your beloved Son. The honor and the glory is for you now and evermore. Amen. Glory to you, Lord. Thank you. Solo el poder de Dios puede cambiar tu to the Lord and thank you very much may God bless you all and many hugs to you all and kisses for all the children thank you until next time and God bless you and next Sunday we will continue with our study here of chapter 12 thank you brothers and sisters thank you for your patience until next time